There we go. All right. Now, welcome to the Magic Yogi Podcast, Episode 3, Season 5. And I know we usually have video uh, parts of the podcast, but this is an audio only. Uh, if you'd like to get the live video versions for some reason, you can uh, find the Discord. Uh, the Discord is called Standing Alone Rifle Club. And uh, how you could find it, I'm not really sure. I don't know. But if you know how to find it, you can find us for now. But uh, I just want to check in with everyone and see how things are going. Uh, in the audience right now, we have DQ Able and Arctic Wolf. It's been a while since I've been in a podcast. It's been a while since I've been online at all. Uh, if anyone who kind of was following what I've been doing knows, I completely disconnected from pretty much all of online life. I I deleted, you know, my social media and I've been staying off of any kind of groups and things. And... I know some people might think, well, Dylan must have uh, sent some dick pics out again, or did he threaten some politician, or did he talk about some drug dealing he was doing? No, it wasn't anything like that. It was literally just, I... Sometimes I feel like when I get overwhelmed with things going on in my life I get too focused on on uh, kind of uh, putting my energy out into creative things and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with being creative I'm just saying that for me sometimes it can be a bad distraction where I think well as long as I'm being creative and being productive, then I don't really have to think about anything else. But I was going through a real rough time and I needed to refocus on my direction, need to really understand what my purpose was at the time and, and what my, um, what I really wanted to be doing because, you know, I'm, I have a birthday coming up and I'm going to be 34 years old and I'm at an age where, you know, I've tried to live very carefree, tried not to be influenced by expectations of what I should be doing or the kind of lifestyle I should live. But I also am getting to the point where I have to be really serious about what my future is going to be and what my, what I have to be like what my plans are going to be for when I'm older. But yeah, thank you for the birthday wishes. And the the thing that I I don't I don't mean to sound like too much of an old man pontificating on my birthday, but uh I I really found that what I've gone towards in terms of 
you know, when I ask myself, what kind of life do I really want? What could I see myself doing forever? I've been starting to really go back to my original passions, the original things that I liked when I was really young. And sometimes I feel like the things that we were really into when we were young kids and the things that we thought were cool and interesting are really telling because a lot of times when you're a young kid, you're hopefully at least in my generation, you these are things that came about before the influence of modern media and kind of corporate interests. When I was a young kid, my the biggest thing that I first became passionate about were stories of pioneers and uh, things like the gold rush and Arctic exploration and, uh, you know, stories about mountain men and uh, like wilderness survival and people that lived out on the land and trappers and such. And to be honest, when I was a little kid and I read stories about people like that that would spend winters in the mountains and stuff such and live from hunting and trapping, I kind of felt like I wasn't ever going to be able to do anything like that. Just from the way I grew up, I was always kind of a, kind of a scary cat kid, and I was not very brave, or I, even though like I had parents that really pushed me into camping and being outdoors and shooting, I never felt like I was, uh, never felt like I was suited for that lifestyle, or I never felt like I, I took to outdoorsmanship or things like ranching and farming. I never felt like I was naturally suited to those kind of lifestyles. And, <clears throat> and so, you know, for most of my life, my, uh, in my, especially in my twenties, I lived pretty much totally, uh, uh, city type person life. I was, you know, I went to college and university and work jobs in the city. And I, I never, I kind of, I just carved out a life of just kind of being a hustler and just doing odd jobs and just being a scumbag, essentially, just not really being much into anything. I mean, I had things that I got into, like I got into mixed martial arts. I got really big into mountain biking for a while. But the things that were at the core of kind of my family history and my heritage, thinking like things like uh, working with horses and hunting and uh, being kind of a um, a steward of the land, things things like that. I just let them go, and I didn't really think about them much. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to make it sound like a humble brag, but by the end of my 20s, I felt like I really, I experienced pretty much the limits of what the material world and uh, material joys and sensory 
experiences, I felt like I got to the end of them. I mean, in my own small level, I, you know, I worked jobs where I made okay money and I, I did a lot of psychedelics and, you know, I had, you know, tons of party times and physically was completely satisfied in any way that I would want to be. But there was, I think there was one thing throughout my whole life that always pulled me back to something that always, there was always some kind of a string, like an anchor string attached that reminded me of something that was always beyond all these things that I was distracted by. Uh, and ever since I was a really young kid, I've been a little bit into uh, meditation and, you know, the esoteric world and things like um, remote viewing and out-of-body experiences because my family has had a lot of experience with that. And <clears throat> so even though, like I said, I had times where my whole focus was on making money or on partying or just kind of living the best life I could with the most luxury. There was always this tiny little part of my brain that wouldn't let me forget about about the fact that everything that I was experiencing you know, that there was no end point in it. There was no real goal there. There was no solutions in terms of being satisfied with, in terms of being, in terms of finding real fulfillment. And I always knew that the way that I thought about these things, I... I wasn't going to find other people very often that could relate to what I'm saying is because like my family, I was set up for being something like being, I was always going to either be into psychic things or um, being into the paranormal because uh I grew up in a family of people that were very sensitive to the unseen world. I had uh, all of my, like my mom, <coughs> my aunties all had uh, a lot of experiences with the paranormal, things like um, visitations by things at night, like uh, things that you would, people would kind of call them, you know, things like alien abduction experiences, but uh, most of us kind of saw it more on a, on a spiritual level that we would be harassed by different entities or have things like, uh, dreams, uh, premonitions of things that would happen. Or like, for example, me, like up until I was around six or seven years old, I was able to see spirits and see disembodied beings and shadow people. And so I was kind of primed from a really young age to be aware of the world in a different way. And 
But also along with that, I had a lot of trauma when I was really young. Being the child of parents with addiction and also having uh, a lot of uh, really bad terminal illnesses in my family. So I kind of had a combination of dealing with a lot of sickness and death growing up and dealing with the paranormal. And so once I got into my 20s, I kind of had this, um, kind of had, I'm just kind of rambling just because I'm, I'm thinking of what, what I want to talk about. This is the easiest thing for me, but so going into my 20s, I kind of had a combination of, uh, like a nihilism of wanting to escape trauma and wanting to forget about a lot of death that happened in my family and hard times that I went through as a young person. But at the same time, I had this pull to, to want to explore these areas of life that I got hints of by being so connected to the supernatural. And so in my 20s, I went back and forth. I, I went to, I actually went to drug treatment or rehab centers, um, twice I think I can't I can't believe I'm like wondering about this but no it was two times I went twice yeah I went two times to rehab centers uh, because I would kind of I just go way too far with either drinking or different drugs and at some point in my 20s when I was around maybe 26 I went through training to be, you know, certified as a yoga teacher. And I went pretty seriously into teaching yoga because I found that out of all the spiritual um, traditions that I, I researched and looked into, I found that uh, yogic teachings, not Hinduism, but the actual um, esoteric, um, energy work and uh, how would I put it like the kind of uh, reality structure information like the ideas of how consciousness creates reality and how the individual experience comes about from the conscious field that area of yoga is what kind of was the only thing that I looked into and I learned about that completely jived with my experiences, with my kind of anti-religious worldview. I mean, I say I'm anti-religious, but um, like I have a lot of respect for my traditional Native American religion that I grew up in. And so I, I have a little bit of both because I, I had some training with a local medicine man that I, I think I've talked about it a few times on the podcast. But 
at the time that I really wanted to help a lot of people, I went into that training, but I eventually left it just because I felt like if I had really gone deep into medicine man training in my uh, traditional ways, it would have really limited me in how I could interact with people. Like there would be a lot of taboos and limitations on the information I could share or how open I could be with people about the things that I knew. So uh, that's one of the reasons why I just kind of went on my own and Nowadays, I, I know people, uh, it, it almost kind of hurts my my ability to teach people because I always like make sure that people know that I, I'm, uh, like, I'm on my own lineage. Like I have my own thing. I don't, I've worked with other organizations. I've interacted with a lot of different teachers, but I do everything on my own and independently. Uh, let me let me see if I can uh, pull together. But yeah, if you guys want to jump in or if you want to just stay on the chat, feel free. I uh, don't mind if you guys are on the podcast. Uh, so uh, let me just kind of see where I was going with this. So uh, when I kind of came to the end of my 20s, I had a lot of real uh, chaotic experiences that happened where I finally let go of the last of my attachments to my old life and to the regular world. And I started really simplifying my life and... try to uh, figure out how much of my lifestyle was because of just influence of people around me and how much of it was things that I really wanted to do. And so I started slowly cutting myself off from, from everything and like I was talking about before, I thought, you know, what were what was the original thing that I always wanted to do? What did I want to be when when I grew up? You know, when I was a when I was a small child, and I thought, you know what, I wanted to be one of those people that just walks out into the mountains, walks out into the woods, and could just spend as much time out there as they wanted and never come back. And so I, I kind of, it was a real uh, humbling, humbling experience because I kind of realized that even though I grew up with a lot of outdoors things, I grew up on a ranch, uh, 
like my grandparents were on both sides real uh, serious cowboys who owned horses and ranches and cows and things and so I kind of I, I just totally went back to the basics I relearned how to shoot I got into black powder flintlock rifles and like uh, for the last few years, I've been kind of um, realizing how much I've been taking for granted. Because uh, <laughs> John McCain from Die Hard, <laughs> DQ Ableton said, I wanted to be John McCain from Die Hard. Yeah, no. John McCain from Die Hard is everyone should want to be him in some situation, every situation. I mean, that's I I feel bad for I feel bad for young kids these days that I hope kids have role models that are close to that, but I don't think they do. You know, I I was born in 1989. And I feel like people my age still had tough, manly role models. You know, men of action, people that got things done. And so I've been going through this whole process of realizing how useless I had become. Where... I feel like I got too, I got enamored and I got completely intoxicated by the world of creativity. I got uh, duped and lulled into this sense of, um, of being in a world where my ideas and being able to talk and being able to paint, play music, do comedy, all those things. Like, that was all valuable enough to give you a place in the world that was, that was solid. But what, I, what I've been learning now is, you know, there's, there's physical things that have to happen. There's things that have to be done physically that can't always be fixed by talking about things or coming up with good ideas. And, like, I, I can't believe it. I never thought I'd be in this position, but I'm getting ready to uh, put up barbed wire fencing. I've been already going through and demolishing old fencing, pulling up posts, and like clearing a lot of old farmland of uh, wood and fencing and it's it's been a real it's been a real good education of going back to the basics and for me it's the reason I'm going through all this work is because you know I have a family farm that's uh you know entrusted to me because I'm the only male in my family that's trustworthy, that can take care of these kind of things. 
And so I, I completely did a 180 from just being an artist type person and being, you know, I, I did physical stuff. I did different kinds of sports, but I was just out there in the city living a, a crazy, druggy, psychedelic, you know, hippie lifestyle, if you could call it that. And I completely 180'd into now I'm uh, learning to hunt again. I've been... Uh, I've been getting ready to learn how to tan and process hides. You know, I want to, and I'm going to be renovating a barn, turning it into my own private kind of, um, like a shooting club kind of a deal. And so all of this is why it's been tough for me to think to uh, get back on the podcast because I don't know a lot of this stuff is things that maybe I don't know I didn't think people would want to hear about but I this podcast has never really had how would you say it's never really had a real subject other than it's just a way for me to get on here and ramble about nothingness You're going to have a quick smoke break here. (sighs) Thank you guys a lot for being on the podcast. It's been, it's been good to be back on. I, I walked away from it for a bit and I was contemplating quitting altogether, but I put so much, so much time into it. I put so much of my blood, so much of my guts, you know, into doing a podcast that I thought, you know, as long as I can still talk, there might be a day where I can't talk anymore. And maybe then the podcast will end. But uh, the thing I thought about was, uh, in case, I don't know who would care about this, but the podcast has probably gone through about three or four different times where it was going to end and I wasn't going to do it anymore for whatever reason. And I kept doing it. So, you know, I guess it's, uh, it's pretty inevitable. So just as a plug for myself, you can find the podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can still find it on all the uh, streaming platforms. Uh, The old episodes aren't up anymore, but uh, new ones are up. And I've been trying to get uh, things on Rumble, but that's kind of off and on. Yeah, so I have my, um, uh, what kind of a pipe is this again? Um, I have a Medico Varsity pipe. 
made in Italy. This is what I use to fulfill my tobacco habit. I mean, I have nicotine mints too, but sometimes I just need tobacco for some reason. So this is October, oh, it's after midnight now. It's October 3rd now. Yeah, one of the things I've been thinking of trying as a stop smoking aid is I know there's these, I've heard of these things called fume where they're like a wooden uh, tube that you inhale herbal mixes through. Because that's one thing is that I don't mind the mints. The nicotine mints are nice. I can get by with them for a while. But the pipe does really add something with, like you said, an oral fixation. And I think that's one thing, too, is that I've really learned to, uh, like, still, like, with even with running and doing my uh, breathing exercises with yoga, I think, like, I've smoked while I've done them, but I feel like the as long as I focus on breathing exercises and running and making sure I'm keeping up on my yoga practice, I usually end up stopped. I stop smoking after a while. I usually, I don't usually do that at the same time. Okay, smoke break done. So, um, I always, um, I always kind of uh, worry about that I don't have interesting stories to tell for the podcast, but I actually do have an interesting story uh, right now. Um, just in August, I went for a little one-day hunting trip. It was more of a camping trip. I brought my flintlock rifle along with me just because uh, on the off chance I saw a suitable deer I was going to um, hunt the deer but I was mostly just looking forward to being out in the wilderness and camping out for the night and so the place that I went to wasn't really out in the in the deep mountains it was kind of um, like if I could explain for a second what the, what the landscape is like here in Southern Alberta, we have the Rocky Mountains to the West and they're mostly a straight line, uh, North to South. 
And to the east of them, there's kind of some smaller mountains, kind of foothills that are still uh, have some dense forest on them. And so that was the kind of area that I was going into. We have um, spots that are public land where you're allowed to to uh, backcountry camp. You're allowed to hunt and uh, take off-road vehicles into some spots. And so I usually, what I usually like to do when I go out into the woods or the mountains is I like to go out to the places where there's no trails. I like to go away from where the kind of touristy spots are. I like to go to the places where people are only there for hunting and off-roading and such. And so I, I just brought enough things just for the night and it was a, it was a, it was an awesome trip. It was so fun. The thing that was fun about it was just the feeling of, you know, traveling out in the middle of nowhere where there's no, you know, it's not established. It's not a tourist area. It's not a national park. It's just wild land. Uh, the most you see are areas where people keep cows because the government has agreements where people can uh, graze cows in some of these areas. And so, uh, I was going to do a nice long hike in and then go up to the top of like a ridge to kind of high elevation and then make a camp up, up kind of in the air so I could, uh, have nice views where my camp was. And the hike in there was great. It was, it just felt like I was going back in time having my flintlock rifle with me and, you know, stopping, smoking my pipe and such. And so I, I spent the most of the first part of the day just hiking up there and found the place where my camp was. It was right on the top of a, a mountain. I'll, um, I can throw in a picture here. Just so you guys who are in the chat can kind of get an idea of what things look like. So I had a camp at the top of this mountain. And after I was done setting things up, I went for a walk around the ridges. I did some shooting. That was one of the things that was one of the best experiences ever was shooting a black powder flintlock up on the top of these ridges, making, you know, long distance shots across these valleys, just hearing, you know, your shot ring out, the sound of like a black powder rifle flying out over. It was, it's really good times. But, uh, yeah, it was just a real chill day. I just took naps and just relaxed. And... I mean, I didn't really focus too much on any hunting. But the interesting thing that happened was at night. So, <clears throat> I wasn't I wasn't really planning on staying up very late the night I was there. I was kind of expecting just to 
maybe go to sleep around 9 or 10, get up early and do some nice trekking around the hills. So around maybe 7 o'clock, I built a fire and had a little something to eat. And everything was totally normal. There was nothing out of the ordinary going on. Uh, and so around 8 or 9, it started getting dark. And like I said, I wasn't really planning on staying up late. And when it got to close to 9 o'clock, I was kind of just uh, letting my fire die down. And so let me uh, just make a, a note here before I go on with the story. I was not doing any psychedelics. You know, I wasn't doing any hallucinogenic drugs, even though uh, my experience felt like that at times. So I'm sitting there just kind of waiting for my fire to die out. I'm not adding any more, adding any more wood to it. And around nine o'clock, I started seeing, um, okay, so before this, it was already dark outside. And I kind of took stock of what I could see on the horizon, like if I could see any kind of lights. And the only lights I could see were, was there was a radio tower that was uh, miles away on the horizon that was blinking every once in a while. And so I kind of took note that that was the only thing I could see. And so... It's about 9 p.m. now, and I started seeing a light. Oh, oh yeah, thanks, uh, DQ. And so I started seeing a light on the other side of the valley, uh, just a plain light, and it's towards the top of the ridge on the other side of the valley. And... I don't think anything of it at first because there's a lot of other people in the area. It's a really popular place for camping and off-roading. And the time I was there was a time when there was it was um, some kind of a long weekend where people would be, you know, really likely to go on vacation to the area. So... I think uh, could just be someone hiking or people off-roading. And so I see this white light moving along a ridge line. But then it starts to kind of do movements that don't really make sense. Like in terms of it starts bouncing around. This light kind of starts going up and down and uh, like zigzagging back and forth. And at the distance that it was at on the other side of the valley, I'm thinking there's no way that could be a person doing that. Like, there's, it doesn't make sense. And I started seeing uh, lights on different valleys. And <laughs> to the left, I started seeing one to the left that was probably about 
10, 15 kilometers away. And the same thing, it was moving through the woods and through the mountains and at a speed that just wasn't, there, there's no vehicle that could have been moving that fast or in those kind of erratic of, um, of movements. And I, I won't go into all the little uh, tiny details of what was going on, but the most um, the most notable, the most kind of jarring of things that I saw was um, at one point there was a a set of lights that would appear completely out of the blue in the middle of the air, kind of in between the two peaks from where I was and the nearest, uh, uh, you know, prominent hillside, these two lights would appear just in the middle of the air and start moving around in different directions and towards me. And they would kind of go um, change directions like going one on top of the other and there started to be other lights that would appear beside them and this is the part that's hard to explain it was you could see because they weren't that far away you could see things in between the lights like things connecting them like very faint lit up uh, strands connecting these lights together as they kind of changed shaped and moved around each other, almost like um, the way that I described it to someone was almost like a jellyfish. You know, when you see videos of deep sea creatures and uh, jellyfish that have bioluminescence and don't really have like a definite shape to them, that's what it looked like. It looked like kind of the shape-changing, lit-up jellyfish that were moving through the air. And not only that, but I also saw one thing that was flying around that was completely invisible. And the only way I could see it was because uh, the moonlight in the valleys was so bright that I, I kind of noticed, because I have glasses that let me see pretty good at night, I could see something moving through the valley that had no lights with it, but I could see the shape of it. And it was, um, even though I've seen a lot of UFO things, you know, in my life, I've seen a lot of different anomalous things in the air. I still, maybe it was because of being so far out in the middle of nowhere but I was still pretty rattled. I, <laughs> even though I didn't, you know, if it's probably, you know, no real use whatsoever, but I was clutching my flintlock rifle the whole, the whole time. And, um, I, I eventually calmed down and wasn't really that worried because, I have a pretty good intuition about things when I deal with the paranormal, when I deal with things that are outside the regular realm. And I didn't feel any kind of malicious intent. I felt more 
I felt more lucky that I got to experience something that not many people would see. And I felt like it was, uh, it was a good sign. It was kind of a, it was like, what, what's the word? Like a boon. It was some kind of a, a blessing to have these things uh, appear to me because there was parts of it that really made me think that they were things that were showing themselves to me because there was times where I, I saw something in, appear in, in front of me and the more I would focus on it and look directly at it, it would come directly towards me, like start coming closer to where my camp was and just kind of sit there almost like it was observing me or there was some kind of a communication going on. It was um, it was definitely a UFO experience that was way on a different level than anything I probably ever saw before, even being a pretty experienced sky watcher. And so I watched these things for about two hours until... Until I just kind of, I, I thought, you know what, um, you know, I need to go, I need to meet my person that's picking me up tomorrow. And I don't want to be hiking out of these mountains sleep deprived. And so I just kind of uh, uh, resigned myself to the idea that these things that are here, I understand their intention. I don't feel like I'm threatened. I mean, that's not to say once I got in my tent and I was trying to go to sleep, I was still nervous and I still was preparing myself for the idea of my tent getting lit up with a bright light and being woken up to something, you know, beings being walking around outside my tent. I was still prepared for that, but... um no, it ended up being a pretty uneventful night other than strange dreams. But um, it it probably gave me a lot of confidence, I would say, just because I, I, don't, I don't think I've known anyone or been around any people that I've known that wouldn't have panicked and freaked out in a situation like that, considering I was so far out in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, that's, uh, and the, so the next morning I got up and everything was fine. I took a nice shit on the top of the mountain and I spent the rest of the day hiking back out and saw some really nice old trees and, uh, yeah, it was, um, looking forward to my next trip, even though. I'm probably not going to go back to that same place exactly. But uh, I think that's going to be about where we call it quits for this episode. I just want to check in with everyone and just at least put something down on the record. have a little bit more of my tobacco pipe before we get going.
And thanks again to Arctic Wolf and DQ Able for sitting in on this podcast. If anyone wants to listen to the show live, they can be a part of the Discord. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, it's it's too bad, you know. Guns, firearms are so maligned these days, and it's not very popular in some circles to be into guns. But but I was shooting ever since I was really young. I probably shot my first gun when I was about five years old, and. I spent a lot of time shooting up until I was around my early teens. And then just recently, back, you know, a couple of years ago, I really wanted to get back into it. But I kind of went into the historical arms and I got into muzzle loading. And so now the gun that I shoot is a 50 caliber flintlock rifle. That I have a lot of fun shooting. I'm probably going to do some podcasts eventually where I'm shooting out here. But yeah, thanks you guys a lot for being here. And I will try to get a podcast out again soon. Hopefully it won't be as long of a wait until the next one. Thanks a lot, you guys. Have a good night.